Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicherry and today's episode is a very exciting episode. Today's episode is on failure with Ali and Zoe. You might know them better as the two dentists. So thank you guys, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having having us. Lovely. So before we get started, could you tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here please? Um, Okay, so I'll start. I'm a final year dental student at Newcastle and I've... uh, I'm almost I'm about to finish so I'm about to graduate hopefully um I am planning to come back to London hopefully for my foundation um for my foundation year mm-hmm. and I think Zoe and I have known each other for a really long time and I actually live in 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 I'm from London um so coming back to London maybe on a monthly basis has mm-hmm. been what we've been doing and just making our making our YouTube videos yeah. So my name is Zoe, Um, I'm a foundation dentist and I'm working here in London as well. Um, So running the YouTube channel with Ali, two dentists um, and working about four or five days a week at the moment. It's been really fun, really exciting. Um, Got loads of stuff happening with YouTube and my foundation training year and looking for jobs and things like that. So just enjoying myself as best I can. Yeah, well done to you guys. As we were saying before, you guys have done incredibly well in the short amount of time that you've been doing this thank you so much um as i was saying this you're incredibly professional and your setup is very very impressive so talk me back to um let's go back to when you first started social media youtube how did that conversation come about you guys said you've known each other for a very long time mm-hmm. you grew up together you're very close friends but how did that conversation start uh, yeah we've known each other since year four so we went to the same high school same pri- same primary school same high school and same sixth form um, I went to Bristol Uni. Ali had an interview at Bristol Uni, but he didn't get in, unfortunately. So he's at Newcastle now. Um, and since we're both doing dentistry, we, you know, I'm being best friends. We've talked about, you know, our future a mm-hmm. lot. We talked about YouTube, Instagram, um, and kind of the social media side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I think, summer of year four for me when we spoke to Ali and I said, you know, there's a lot of good YouTube videos out there, um, but... I feel like this is a really niche market that, you know, someone can do if they go into it really professionally mm-hmm. um, with lots of good high quality equipment. I feel like there's a market there and we can, you know, we felt like we were in a position at that point. I, I was in fifth year, Ali was in fourth year and we felt like we le- had learned quite a lot that we could offer. Generally, initially, we thought younger dental students. Um, and so our target audience at the beginning was just that. Um, but then once we started the channel and things like that, we thought that, you know, even young dentists can learn from some of our content. Um, and yeah, we started the YouTube channel. It was really fun. We, and you know, COVID hits, we had a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just spent a lot of time together learning about all this photography, lighting and things like that. Um, and we just wanted it to be as like professional looking as possible, um, because we didn't want it to look cringe or like, you know, of course we're young. So we also wanted to be taken seriously. Um, yeah. and I appreciate, you know, sometimes when, you know, a young dentist is trying to teach an older dentist, it might be a bit of an awkward you know, um, scenario for them. So we just wanted it to be taken seriously and that's the way we've gone. I just want to miss what, I just want to say one thing that you've, I feel like you've missed from that story. Um, <laughs> initially, I think at the beginning of COVID, um, we started, um, I feel like we were almost joking about YouTube and stuff mm. and almost like flirting with the idea of YouTube and we're like, <laughs> never like, yeah, let's do this. And then eventually I would, I think, I, I don't know, I don't know if you remember, but 
I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna make a YouTube channel. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do gaming. I'm gonna oh, do yeah. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do COD videos. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, I I used to um, game professionally. They're very popular. I they think. are, yeah. And I I used to game professionally um, on like certain games and What's stuff. What's gaming I used... professionally? I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's like, it's like you, you you get paid for gaming. Oh wow. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dream life. <laughs> yeah, and I loved it for dentistry. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, and then I thought, you know what? This that market is so saturated. I don't want to do it. I'm do- I don't want. There's no. Just forget it. I want to do something new. Um, and he presented the idea um, of a YouTube, but mm-hmm. um, targeted at dental students and young dentists. And he said we could use this space to actually film our YouTube videos. And then from there, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was all history. Yeah. <laughs> I was really supportive at first, but also at the beginning, I was really scared of doing it because I didn't want to be one of those, hey guys, yeah, <laughs> welcome to our YouTube channel. Um, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't want to be like that, but I think first time we actually recorded, we said, hey guys, and we're like, oh my God, what have we become? But it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. That's so true. I relate to that so much when I started like my social media and I was that person that I, you know, you kind of cringe a little bit when they come on stories and you're like, yeah. I just want to jump on here to do this, whatever. I think you have to get over that initial cringe phase and just say that, you know, what, it is going to be cringe. There's no two ways about it. Just get over that hump and then it eventually, yeah, it like you get fun. the hang of it. And I think yeah. you get a bit more natural. Initially, it feels very unnatural. Um, but then it gets better it gets easier we were talking about you know with my podcast for example the first few episodes felt so forced and now I I can't listen back to them because I cringe so much (laughs) but the the more you practice the better you become Mm. and you know when right now we're not going to be as good as we are in five ten years time right it's a continuous program progress um so well done for starting Thank you. How have you been able to manage your, because obviously being a foundation dentist, being final year, these are all very stressful, pivotal moments in your career. How did you guys manage all of that as well as, you know, your professional life, graduating, final year exams? How did you balance the two? It was difficult at first, especially when I was starting my foundation training, because, you know, I was, it was going from uni to then going into a nine to five job Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. And we made a commitment to ourselves that we we're going to upload every single Thursday. Um, so we had, you know, the challenge of trying to upload every single week. Um, I guess management was just a lot of time management. So we were like about four to six videos ahead. So we filmed a lot of it ahead of time. So we would always have about four videos in the bank. So if something had happened, I couldn't record, I couldn't edit, Ali couldn't do anything. Um, We had backup um, videos. And just using the scheduling apps like Notion, so we use that a lot. Like that's been our absolute lifesaver. And it's helped us like plan and schedule our YouTube. Um, unfortunately, I, I, you know, it's it's a shame, but it ha- I have put other things to the side because of it. I'm not going to lie and say, no, I've been super productive. <laughs> I've still been able to go to the gym, do this, do that. No, um, realistically, things have been put on the side. Unfortunately for me, that's been like, for example, gym, or I haven't been able to go out with my family as much as I wanted to. So I know it's COVID, and, but just simple things like going to the park and things mm. like that. Sometimes I've had to say no to my sister and it's been horrible um but you know i think i'm hoping that my schedule will get a little bit less busy especially when i finish my foundation training so i'll be able to spend a little bit more time with family mm-hmm. um and um, do the things that i also want to do so it's been tough but doable i mm-hmm. guess yeah i think i agree with you in terms of um the whole time management thing mm-hmm. and i think um i think you end up prioritizing what you what you need to do and what you enjoy doing as well um more than other things and i feel like um for me the biggest thing was learning how to study which was a bit of a strange thing i think learning how for a long 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 time 
I used to always um, recognize the term study smart, but I never really knew what it meant. And I never really used to engage with it or like, I used to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm studying smart and doing the right content, but for hours and hours and hours on end and it, no information was really sinking in, no information mm -hmm. was really going in for me. So I noticed eventually, event at some point, I think um, a, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I read a book called Deep Work. And this basically showed me that you can produce a lot of work in a very short amount of time in by basically focusing very intensely while you're working mm -hmm. and putting that side scheduling that time for that work and for me obviously because I'm in I, I'm doing my final year that's really important because I started implementing that for three hours a day I was I was um I was quite ahead of schedule and I knew YouTube was coming up mm -hmm. um alongside my final year and YouTube to be honest with you I think personally it's taken more time I've spent more time on YouTube in the past year than I have actually studying for yeah. finals and um, working towards my finals um, so it is very time consuming it's, it's very time consuming um, but the the thing that's helped me the most has been that I've been so organized with my time and the preparedness for it. Is that a word, preparedness? <laughs> it is now, yeah. No, well done, because I think with social media and there's so many platforms now that you have to keep up with, but all of it takes up a lot of time. So with you guys, for example, all I see is a short, very, very polished video, but I know the hours that have gone into that. I know the, I know how long it takes to set up the, you know, the mics, the cameras, the lighting, everything. So that's something that unless you've been through it and you've done it, you don't know how much how much time it takes. And I think as dentists, we are by nature perfectionists and we're all control freaks. So even if one thing, like when it comes to editing the podcast or doing the covers, I am mm -hmm. so pedantic. And I know that you guys are probably the same with yeah. the videos, but that comes across. Like when you watch a video, it's incredibly polished. It looks really good, but I appreciate the amount of time that's gone into that. And I think unless someone's been through that themselves, they, they physically can't understand that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so let's go on to the topic for today, which is failure. And I know this is a topic that you guys are very passionate about speaking as well. And I, I am completely passionate about this topic because I think in, you know, you can get bogged down in this world of achievements and I'm so busy and I'm so successful or whatever. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people don't speak about. But I think it's important, especially in our profession that has one of the worst mental health states when it comes to qualified dentists or studying dentistry I think it's important to talk about it and normalize it um, because I think you know from my personal experience from my friends and my colleagues I know we've all had difficult patches throughout our careers um, and I know that people have gone through failures multiple times but they're not necessarily open about talking about them which can give a very skewed sort of outlook on their life on something like a social media platform like Instagram Okay, so to start off with, tell me your definition of failure. What what is failure to you? Um, I think failure to me is I feel failure most when I expect myself to be able to do something and I can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think you know if I had revised the, to the best of my abilities and failed an exam. I know it's to to other people that might seem like a failure, but in my eyes, you know, I put in all all the effort mm. that I could. Um, I revised to the best of my abilities, but I just didn't get that grade. So like, I didn't fail there. But if I had, for example, not revised at all, I knew that I could have done and, you know, and then I got that grade, then fair enough. But if I know that I can meet a, a certain target or something that I set for myself and I don't, and it's because of something that I did myself, then I think that that for me is failure. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I've, you know, I've experienced it through dental school. I've even in my foundation training year now as well. Um, and I think it's just, it's really important that for me, um, I don't let it get to me in my head. Um, and, you know, I've talked about it before a, a lot about social media and how there's so much positive stuff on social media, which is great. There's a lot of great dentistry on social media, which is, again, I think is great. We can learn a lot from it. Um, but if I then look at that and I expect myself to be able to do that, and I think that's when I fail because I then take that to my clinic, clinical work. I think I can do it. And then, of course, it's very difficult. I'm only a foundation dentist. I'm trying to do something like someone who's been 10, 10 years qualified is trying to do. Um, and then I, I can't do it. And that's when I feel like I failed. Um, and I think that's been one of the weak spots for me this year, especially when it comes to failure. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think you gave such a um, such a good answer to that. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I, I completely agree with you. It's like setting that expectation on yourself, mm. and then it's and it being unrealistic, and then not not achieving it. Um, I think that whole uh, that whole. I, I don't think that's a, a correct mentality. I don't think people should mm. be setting that inc- that um, that standard for themselves. Mm. So failure for me, to be honest with you, um, it's basically achieve, not being able to achieve something which you've put your mind to and then and then you've not been able to achieve it. But here's the thing about failure. I feel like it's, it's, it's just one step in a road to success. And if you see it that way, I think it's a lot more um, healthy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more beneficial to yourself. And um, I, think that, uh, I think that's a, a stronger mentality. Yeah, no, I agree with both of you. I think with failure, it's the limits that you set for yourself. It's your definition of failure rather than anything else. I think we're all kind of from a similar background in that our parents are also very, you know, ambitious. They're very supportive. But at the same time, I think it's one thing for you to fail and have to deal with it yourself. But then it's, you know, telling other people and feeling like you've let everybody else down. I think that's probably one of the hardest things for me because, you know, if it's just me, I can deal with myself. But if it's my family, then that's a difficult aspect that comes into it. And I completely agree with your definition of failure as a as a path to success, uh, as a as a step in the path to success. Because I think failure has so many negative connotations to it, but it's not that. It's just that look, you try something, it didn't work, you move on, and you carry on. And I think it's unrealistic for people to expect that every single venture, every single thing they do is going to become successful. Life won't be exciting that way if you can predict that you know whatever I do, I'll be successful. It's kind of it loses its you know, up and down, it loses its value. So I think it's it's about the way you see it. And my view on failure has definitely changed even in the last year because it had such a negative connotation for me. And now I feel like it's a, it's less of a big deal for me because I'm like, okay, this didn't work. Let's move on to something else. Uh, but that's not to say I don't have bad days. You know, you sulk over it sometimes. You know, that might take a day, that might take two weeks, but you sulk over it and then you move on from that. Um, I'll go through this and then I'll ask you about your personal experiences with failure. My failure, like I said, you know, when I started doing my A-levels, I switched on my brain and I had such high expectations of myself. And with my family, it's me and my brother and my brother is incredibly clever. He's a genius. So he would get 100% in all exams. So even if I got 99%, I was a failure of the family. So I had to grow up with that and I had to deal with that. So I was very hard on myself and I always expected a lot from myself. And then it was throughout my first year of uni that I struggled a lot with my mental health. And that was because I was suddenly in this position where everybody else was exactly the same as me in that everybody had A's and A stars. Everybody had extracurricular achievements. 
I wasn't special anymore. I think in school, you know, especially depending on which school you go to, you can be at the top of the game and you can feel like you're so special and everyone can put you up on a pedestal. But then when you go from that environment to somewhere where everybody else is exactly like you and, you know, Queen Mary's a small dental school. There was only about 60 other people, but there are, you know, dental schools like Kings, it's 300 people that are there. And if everybody else is the same as you, you kind of don't feel special anymore and that's difficult to cope with. So my biggest failure was throughout my first year where I was studying non-stop but I wasn't well mentally um, and I failed my exams I had to redo pretty much all of my exams even though I was studying a lot more than I had ever done but I wasn't eating well I wasn't looking after my mental health and then that kind of failure was a big wake-up call for me because I realized I've worked so hard to get there and for some reason you know I'm almost going to get out of dental school I'm going to get kicked out um, so I kind of had a little chat with myself I was like look you need to be well in order to do well. And I started studying far less, but I was looking after my mental health, I was eating better, I was socializing, and I was studying smarter, as you were saying. And I did really well in my exams. And from then on, I got distinctions every year. And I'm so proud of that because I went from a very, very low place. And I think unless you go through that, you don't realize how badly you want something and it kind of puts you in a different gear. So that was my first big experience with failure and since then I've just been like you know I've had a different perspective on that and that will change depending on the experiences that you go through so let's go through your experiences with failure because I know you guys have spoken about this before but I want to get to know what what the situation was I think I had a very very similar experience to you um, in a sense that sixth form I was achieving really high grades I was getting all the A stars and A's I was the smart guy of the group per se um, and then I went into university kind of, you know, confident. I knew that people said university is different, you know, there's lectures and, you know, there's some getting used to. And I just thought, you know, just exams, how could it be any different? And then I went into uni and then just like you, I failed a few of my exams as well. And I think it, it, that was a, a, a waking call for me that, okay, look, sixth form, you might have been the smartest guy there. But like, you know, when you go to uni, everyone there is smart. And I could see people putting in lots of hours of work um, or on the other side, they were putting much less hours of work, but getting really high grades. Um, and then here I was, I thought I was doing a healthy amount of revision. I wasn't overworking myself or doing barely any revision but I just wasn't getting anywhere near the grades that I was getting before and it really confused me it confused me for years um you know I retook that exam and I just scraped the past mm-hmm. um, and even until second year and third year I still struggled with it because I just did maybe like Ali said I didn't know how to revise maybe my studying was ineffective but I went through the first two three years of uni being really confused like <laughs> sounds am I, like me <laughs> I was just you know, am I smart? Am I dumb? Am I, what's, what's happening? I understand what's being taught to me. Um, when I speak to my friends, I understand it. But for some reason, when I go into the exam and I come out, my grades are just nowhere near as high as them. So yeah, those few years of uni were just really confusing for me. And it, it didn't really hit me. Like for me, I read another book and it was, I went through like a life-changing summer per se I think it was third year or fourth year I can't even remember where I just read loads of self-help books and it was because I had um, a friend at work I used to work part-time at uni and he was one of those self-help gurus um, and he told me oh you should read this book this this is really good this is and I was like okay I'll give it a shot and I've never read a book in my life I think the last book I had read up at that point was of mice and men at prime at high school we read when at, we had to yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> um, the name of the book was make it stick that's the one and it's about studying and how to best revise and things yeah. like that and it was just a, such an eye-opening book for me um, and I was like this is great I should read more um, so that summer I read loads of books on productivity this this and that um, and I suddenly learned 
how to manage my time and revise and things like that. And um, I went into fourth year um, with a much like healthier mindset of, okay, I know this is what I have to do. You're not confused. You just, you know, you, you just didn't know yeah. um, how to revise and things like that. And things went much better. Okay, I wasn't still getting 90%, 95%, but I didn't want that. I didn't yeah. felt like I needed it. And you know what? It doesn't matter. At the end of the exactly. day, it really doesn't matter. Really? I think we're preconditioned to think that you need to get A stars, you need to get 90 mm-hmm. But really, the, the people that you speak to that are incredible dentists, they weren't necessarily academic all exactly. the time, not all of them. So it really, really doesn't matter. But for us, because we're like, we've been conditioned to get A stars and 90% numbers really matter. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, as long as you pass and as long as you practice and get better, because we're all getting better continuously, exactly. especially with dentistry, you have to commit to lifelong development. So it really doesn't matter if you're A or an A star in that test, mm-hmm. as long as you passed it. Exactly. And, you know, when I was sitting those exams, because before I was really nervous and confused, like, oh, am I going to fail this one? Am I going to fail this one? But because... I felt more confident in my ability. I just felt more comfortable. Like, okay, I, look, you're not going to get the full marks like all those guys, but you're also not going to fail. So just be comfortable. And I think that was a big change for me to not be scared of failing, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, I've done the correct amount of revision yeah. the correct way and just going into the exam feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just made me answer, get the answers out of my head easier. I don't know. I wasn't as nervous. My heart wasn't racing through yeah. the exam. I, I was able to come out of university just with a, with, a, with a pass and I was happy with that. And that's all I wanted. I didn't want, I, I wasn't sad. I didn't get a distinction or a merit. Um, I was just happy I didn't fail and I could do dentistry. That's very healthy. But I think it takes us a while to understand that and get to that point. And especially, I think when you're in, in a dental school, it can get, it's very easy to become really competitive. Like when you come out of an exam, be like, what did you get? What did you think? Like, but when you come out into the real world, you realize none of that matters. Like, I don't remember what I got in my tests right now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't define my success right now. There's so many other factors that go into it. But it's just understanding that and, like you said, not being confused. Because I think it takes you a while to understand it. And when you normalize failure, you deal with it better in a constructive way. Because we will all go through fa- failure at some point. Um, and it's unrealistic to think you don't. If you're ambitious and you want to do something or anything, you will have to try new things. And ultimately you will fail at stats, like statistics. You will, the probability is you will fail at something at some point. So the sooner you learn how to deal with it, the better it is for you. Yeah. yeah? What was your experience, Ali? I've got a very distinct um, memory of um, of my whole failure, everything that happened. It was, and I can, I can pinpoint exactly which one was the worst in my life. And it was, it all happened around my um, ASA level year. A, those two years so my as year um i've known i wanted to be a, um, a dentist for since i can remember i don't know why i don't <laughs> honestly this, I, couldn't, this is not I probably <laughs> i couldn't i probably couldn't convince a little kid to become a dentist but <laughs> but um i've known i wanted to dentistry for ages and all of a sudden i go to my as level and i can for me i completely fail um i get i get i didn't get the grades and I was so devastated. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know um, who could help me, who could, um, who could, like, how I could salvage this and still become a dentist. I, it's all I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I spoke to my family and they told me, listen, whatever you want to do, we'll support you. If you want to take another year, we'll do that. Um, what I did was not a great, well, it was not great, but I, uh, I ended up working non-stop we're talking 14 hours a day in my a2 year 
just to make up and retake all my AS exams. And I would eat, sleep, drink, everything, revision. Everything was, all I did was revision. Sometimes I would sleep on the floor because I knew that I would, I, was not, I wasn't going to wake up the next day if I didn't do that. If I slept in the comfort of my bed, I knew that I wasn't going to wake up the next day to continue revising. Mm. And it, it's ineffective, to be honest with you. It's not the best way to study at all, at all. And I don't advocate it at all. Um, but eventually, I, um, at the end of A2, I ended up sitting something like um, 20 exams where everyone else had something like, eight exams and I'm sure you guys remember how, how how like how long each exam how long each preparation for each exam was but I ended up resetting all my AS and my A2 and um and eventually I I got I got an AAB in the end as well which which actually still wasn't enough for most dental schools but thankfully I um I secured um I applied to King's Queen's um uh Bristol and Newcastle and unfortunately uh kings and queens didn't accept me and bristol gave me an interview so um i was really happy and i was like okay i'm gonna go and and i'm gonna really smash this interview i'm gonna i'm gonna do really well and i went there and i thought i had done well but <laughs> again another hit um i actually got um news that i i was rejected so it was literally i was just riding out on my last hope which was newcastle mm-hmm. which i still hadn't heard from and i was like if the if they if these guys reject me i'm i'm over i'm done That's it, yeah. I'm, yeah it's done for me Thankfully, I, I actually got an interview um, with a partners program, which um, allowed for me to, um, for, for them to accept me with AAB. So I went for my interview with one of my best friends as well, um, who also had an interview there. And so we took the train up um, together. And when we got there, they were like, oh, yeah, OK, so you, um, you are the last three to be interviewed. And it was, it was like, it must have been like late April, late March, something, something around then. And um and I think everyone starts getting interview- interviewed early Jan or something. Mm-hmm. So um, it was literally like, oh, how am I going to compete against all of these people who, they, who, they, who they've already seen? They've probably already got their 70. They've, re- they've probably already chosen. I don't know why they're entertaining me. Mm. Um, but I went there with my friend and, and we both went in. We both had our interviews. And I think it was meant to last like 10 minutes, but we were having such a good time with the interviewers. <laughs> and I think it was, honestly, it was half an hour each. Yeah. We spent half an hour sitting in there and, um, and we were actually speaking about each other. And we we're like, yeah, yeah, that's my best friend. He was like, <laughs> he's like, he's, um, he's just in the other room. And eventually they, they, um, we, we left and we went to the train station to go back home to London. Yeah. And um, 20 minutes later, we received a email of acceptance. Wow. <laughs> and we that's were so, so exciting. So, it was the best train both journey home. Yeah, both of us. Wow. It was the best train journey home. Yeah, and, I can imagine. Uh, and yeah, so that, that was my biggest experience with failure. And I feel like um I feel like it's so it's so big to I think what I like what I've learned from it in terms of like whatever whatever happens to you, it, it there's always gonna be like it might be said a blessing in disguise or like something that's that you're gonna benefit from later on. There's a reason why there was there is that thing that that thing happened to you there there's a reason that you failed yeah and uh and there's more likely than not something huge and way better for you in the future 100 percent, i agree with that and i think you need to have the maturity and experience to know that because now if something doesn't happen for me i know that there is a reason somewhere that i don't know um that's an incredible story. I've got adrenaline and, oh, and endorphins now yeah. just from listening to that. But I think going through that makes you realize how badly you want it. If it's yeah. almost out of reach, then you realize and you value it. 
we um i've spoken about this before in our first year of uni there was five of us we were best friends and two of us had got in on our first try and three of them had failed the first time around they got in second time around right so they'd taken a gap year and then reapplied and we were all together and after our part ones me and my friend who had gotten in first time around we failed those three passed with flying colors. So it just, that's like the definition of, you know, what failure does to you. <laughs> it because teaches it makes, you a lot. Exactly. Mm. It makes you realize how badly you want it. It makes you work hard and you will go through it at some stage. Yeah. So whether that failure is at the beginning or a little bit later on, it's coming and it's not a big deal. You'll get over it, you know. Yeah. Um, my, yeah, my experience with what you were saying about silver linings and things happening for a reason was when I applied for a job, the job from hell that we were talking about, First time around when I applied for that job, I didn't get it. I went for the interview. They invited me in for a second interview and I couldn't make it because I was away. And they just never replied back to me to my emails or calls or anything to set up an alternative date. And then I thought that had passed and it had finished. A year later, that job came up again and I applied for it. And I got it and it was a horrible job. So when things don't happen, there is always, always, always a reason and you might not know it at the time, you might not know it five years, 10 years down the line, but you, there is a reason and yeah. you will eventually see that. Yeah. yeah. So having gone through all of that, what would be your advice to either younger dentists, aspiring dentists, or even to your, to your own younger self? What would be your advice having gone through that experience? First of all, I, just, I was going to say, it's really interesting that when we talked about failure and our own experiences, all three of us mentioned academic failures. Yeah. Like it's all just, it's almost like, I don't know, within the dentistry world currently, and especially the younger ones, like the only failures are within your dental school, like your exams. What yeah. else could you fail at? Like, you know, um, but I think, you know, for example, Ali mentioned that he failed those exams and he, you know, spent 15 hours a day revising. Um, but I think that in itself is a, a bit of a failure because he failed to attend to his friends, his family, those who cared about him and things like that. And even to myself. And to yourself. I didn't like, care you myself. didn't My go to the gym. So I think... You know, you. we talk about all these academic stuff and like, look, you should revise, you should do yeah. this, this and that. But I think you mentioned that you weren't taking care of yourself in first year at all. And that in itself was a fail. Yes, you failed your exam, but you failed at taking care of yeah. yourself. Yeah. So if it's my advice to dental students or even my younger self, like don't don't think that academic stuff is the only thing that you should be doing whilst at uni. Like the only is studying and passing those exams isn't the only thing yeah there's so much you can learn from university like socializing getting your communication skills correct like yes you can get a stars or not, not in university but you can get 100 percent marks in your exams but if you don't kind of socialize and have good communication skills like you're not realistically going to be a great dentist because communication is such a massive part so then i would say yes you passed your exam but you failed at getting the most out of university in that sense so Make sure you're managing your time correctly and learn how to revise properly and not overwork yourself. Take care of yourself, your mental health, your body, like your physical health. Um, and just don't think that academic failure is the only failure that you could be experiencing. Make sure you spend some time with your family. Like if you're living, um, you know, away from home, your family probably misses you. Go visit them. Um, so, you know, just focus on other things as well. Spend some time in the gym if you like that. Spend some time cooking. Learn how to cook. I should um, probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that would I think that would be my advice. That's very deep. Well done. I didn't even pick up on that. You're absolutely right. I think we it's ingrained in us to see academic achievements as the only thing. But yeah, even if you get 100%, but you fail your family, you fail yourself to look after yourself, that's a big failure. And that goes back to your definition of failure, right? It's, mm -hmm. all, sub it's all subjective. It's, it, it depends on how you define failure. 
Good point. Good. Very deep. Um, my, uh, what I've learned from my failures, to be honest, and not specifically the one I mentioned in this podcast, but, um, what I've learned from my failures really is to actually not compare yourself too much. I feel like that, um, a lot of the time, even like I'll find myself comparing myself to my colleagues and, and a lot of the time I'll be like, oh, maybe they're achieving more than me in this particular area. Maybe um, I'm not doing as well as I should be doing. And it really gets you down. And there's absolutely no benefit in doing it. I feel like if there's one piece of advice, it would be to my younger self, it would be not to compare myself um, because there's so much more that's going on in the background that is unspoken or isn't, isn't so obvious. They might be excelling in this specific thing and that might that might be what would be showing what we that would be on the surface and i'll i'll see that someone else is excelling in this certain thing but they may they may and there probably is other areas which they aren't doing so well just as for me there aren't there are areas where i won't be doing so well so everyone is um along their own journey almost and i would recommend like i would recommend honestly to my younger self to not compare myself to others i think that's a huge huge thing because I think it it could affect uh, it could affect a lot of people's mental health as well by doing that. Are you good at that now? Not comparing yourself. I am better. Yeah. Better, but not. That's but I wouldn't say yeah. straight up good. Yeah, I agree with you because I think that comparison is a journey, and you can have good and bad days. So I 100% agree with you. I'm the same. You know, there's days where I'm like, I'm in my own lane. I'm doing so well, and then I'll go on Instagram, and then I'm like, Yeah, but look, this this person's doing better than I am. <laughs> but like, social media is not real, and I think we all know yeah. that. But when you see it, you don't you don't process that you just think that's what it is like look at this person with an incredible life you don't see the tears behind the scenes you don't see the fight they've just had with their family and it's so important to say that that's a progress and it's a journey because if you sit here and say i don't compare myself to anyone Mm -hmm. it's that's a lie yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know so as long as you're getting better and your better days are more frequent than your bad days yeah and there is there is a point to comparing yourself with other people, I think, to a certain degree. Allow it to inspire you, but not to get jealous because that can be a very, very negative space. So if you allow something to inspire you, say, that's great that one person's doing something I want to do, like they have their own clinic or they're doing incredible dentistry. I want to be like that. These are the steps I'm going to take to try my best at that. And if you don't get there, that's fine. You tried your best. Like There's literally nothing else you can do because there's so many other factors that go into everything. But if you let that if you cross that line of inspiration and jealousy, then it's a very, very negative space and you don't want to be there because yeah. it's not productive. You're literally not going to achieve anything by sitting there. So just switch off your phone when I have days like that. I'm like, just put your yeah. phone aside, yeah. go to your Harry Bows, just chill. It's fine. Yeah. Can I say one more? Can I say one more thing yeah. that I would advise myself? Yeah. Um, I think just moving on, um, just uh, going back to uh, what Zoe was saying earlier, um, in terms of um, not just speaking about failures in academia, also in in actual daily practice, like um, when when you're going to clinics and stuff, and um, I feel I feel like you you're you're gonna have good days and you're gonna have bad days, and I would tell myself, and I would tell myself exactly that you're gonna have good days and you're going to have bad days. So don't let the bad days put you all the way down because a lot of the time it's so easy to come across something that puts you completely down. Just know and just remember, because I know how difficult it is to remember the good times in the bad times. Remember the good times because there are loads and loads of good times. 
Yeah. Yeah, that would be it. I agree with that. You guys don't have as many hormones as we female species do, but <laughs> we go through a lot of ups and downs. And I think with me, you know, going back to me being the emotional child of a three-year-old, having the emotional maturity of a three-year-old, I think when you're having a bad day, it's so easy to just sulk and say life is horrible, it's not worth living, and just cry yourself to sleep. But actually, good times will happen. And I almost want to make myself a note just to say, hey, Shadi, you know, today you're having a bad day. Remember, good times are coming. You know, and I suggest I, I would recommend that to everybody. If you're, if you're happy one day, just write that down just, just for your own mental health. I have this thing. I'm exposing myself now. But I, when I was revising, because I went through that failure and everything, I was really paranoid that I was going to fail my exams again. And I would keep going to my mom for reassurance i'd be like are you sure i'm gonna pass are you sure and she was like do you want me to give you a certificate so this one time she literally wrote me a certificate and signed it and dated it it's like 2012 now my brother came and signed it as the as the physician at the time and my mom's like stamped it with her stamp and i still have it framed i still have it framed but you need to do that you need to have a physical reminder that support system i think having and, and being able to go to your support system as yeah. well like having trust that they will be there for you i think is so so important and if if necessarily you don't have that support system don't don't be afraid to to reach out to people because especially in the dental community like mm. i feel like um there's a lot of people who are willing to give and and hear you and listen to you and and be there for you even if they don't know you. Yeah, and I think it helps if someone's been through that journey because yeah. you know it's easy for us to speak about it now. Oh, like ten years ago, I failed my exams and I'm over it now. But at the time, you probably felt like life was ending mm. and your world was ending. That's literally how I felt, and nothing else matters at that time. So to have someone who's gone through that come and tell you, look, I've been through that, and could be someone you look up to, or but for them to come and say that to you, it means a lot. Mm -hmm. I personally am open. My DMs are always open to anyone, and I think it's so important. And dentists, we're usually nice people because we've been through a lot to get to where we are. We're usually quite helpful to, to other people if they want to reach out. So that's important. But I think the most important thing is to recognize when something is going wrong. Mm -hmm. So when something is not quite how you should be, if you're confused, like you were saying, just recognize it and get the right help. But that first step is the most important one. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think I, I struggled with that sometimes at uni as well, like holding in my thoughts. Like, you know, I was confused. I knew I was confused and I didn't know what was happening, but I didn't really tell anyone about it. Um, you know, my friends would ask me, you know, everything okay? But yeah, it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think that can be damaging in itself if you know you're not able to express that to anyone. Um, and you know, I, in my opinion, it sounds deep, but I think everyone would benefit from a therapist, no matter how healthy you think you, you are. are. Yeah. Um, you know, that therapist doesn't actually have to be someone that you pay, but per se, like someone that you can open up to. I have let so many unpaid thoughts. therapists. My <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's so important. Like I, I felt like I was a therapist for some people at uni, but then I felt weird opening up myself and yeah. letting them know of my struggles because I thought, well, how can they help? Like, it's just me and my thoughts and things like that. But the, the, the truth is even just saying it out loud can be enough for you to realize yeah. what you can do. Um, and so, yeah, my advice would be just speak to someone, whoever that is, even if it's your mom, dad, sister, yeah. um, or a close friend. Yeah. Um, if they've opened up to you, open up to them again. And you'll see the benefit. Yeah, you know, in my first year, I think it's difficult because you've gone from your school support mm. system to your university where there's lots of other people, they don't know what they're doing with their lives. It's a big transition to go from school to uni. Lots of people might be living away from home. So there's a lot of stuff happening. 
And when I was going through that phase in my first year, I had my group of close girlfriends, but I was just the strange one in the group because I wasn't eating well. I wasn't going out with them. Like we'd go out for dinner and I'll order tea. Like I was just the strange girl, but like my school friends would know me and they knew that that wasn't normal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas other people didn't know, you know, people I just met, they just thought I was a bit strange and peculiar and that's just shady. But if I had opened up to them and I did open up to them a lot later, but then they support you and they'll know. And especially with things like anxiety and OCD, if you have a certain OCD about something, open up to it. Like, because otherwise it's difficult for people to understand. And I think now we have a lot more understanding and awareness around mental health conditions like anxiety and OCD. But back when I started, I'm going to sound really old now. I started about 10 years ago now, right? So it was 2010 that I started. Nobody was speaking about OCD or anxiety. So if you were a little bit strange, you were just a little bit strange. It wasn't a case of, oh, I'm struggling with this and everybody will respect that and sort of be understanding towards that. So I think we're much better now, but I think you still need to take that first step of recognizing when something's not right and then just getting the right help for that. Definitely. Yeah. Great. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. It's been such a deep chat. We've had a lot of deep chats today. <laughs> we have. But thank you so much for sharing your experiences. And I'm so excited to see what's next for you guys. I'm particularly looking forward to our video because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for joining me today. And I wish you all the luck in the world going forward because I know you guys are going to do incredibly well. Thank, thank you so much, so much for having thank us. Yeah, thank we've you enjoyed this so much. We're both speaking at the same time. <laughs>